Good morning again. My name is Robert, and I want to welcome you. If you're elementary age kiddo, you can go down for the kids' class now. All right. Well, welcome. We uh, have begun our summer sermon series, which we've entitled Gifted. Uh, Tommy Moore started it off last week, did a great job, and we're, we're using Romans 12, the first part of that, as uh, kind of our main text, but then we'll go other places in the Bible as well. Uh, so you may want to have your Bible open to Romans 12. I'll be jumping around in there uh, a few, few verses, uh, but most of them will be on the screen behind me. As I said at the, at the front of the service, uh, summertime is uh, it's a different time for us. It's a, there's, there's rhythms around here, and when uh, staff, students, faculty kind of head out of the valley, it's like 60,000 people that, uh, that disappear, and uh, it becomes this little, quaint little New England town, and the town kind of takes itself back over, and uh, there's all kinds of activities in, the, in the, uh, the common, and there's parking places when you go downtown, and when you go to eat somewhere, there's no wait, you know, it, so there's this massive shift, and, um, and that also affects our church, and so what we, we see it as an opportunity for, especially those that are, you know, permanent residents, they're here all year round, this is your home, you're, you're not thinking, okay, two more years, I graduate and I get out of here kind of thing, although there's some of you here I know that are grad students working over the summer, things like that. But um, we see this as an opportunity to really to pour in to, to you guys that are here uh, year-round and to build up the body, to, to really think about, okay, what, what, where is the church right now and how can we help build up the body that is kind of the foundation or the pillars of uh, what goes on around here. And so as elders, we were talking and, and brainstorming and praying about what kind of sermon content would be helpful. And so one of the things that we talked about and eventually uh, arrived on was to talk about spiritual gifts. And uh, this is something that uh, I think is helpful for us as people that are believers who are gathered together as, as a church to understand why is it that we're even a part of, of this church? What, what is it that God has in mind uh, for me? Because uh, God, the, 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 the God of the Bible, like, like He, both Father and Son and, and Holy Spirit, all three are at work uh, building up the church. Uh, and you can, you can see that in, in many, many places in the Bible. One place I was looking at, oh, got to have the reading glasses, I can't see. Uh, one, of the, one of the places I was looking at this, this week is 1 Corinthians 12. And uh, Verse 4 says, Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. And you can see the whole Trinity in the text there. You can see that, that the Spirit and the Lord, that's, that's Jesus and God. It's talking about God, uh, the Father, and, the, and that they're, they're all working to, together to impart uh, these gifts to the church so that the church can be uh, built up. Last week, if you were here and you heard Tommy Moore preaching, he, he talked about these gifts being uh, special skills or, or uh, abilities that are given to us by God. That's why they're called gifts. They've, they've been given to us. And then when you have them, then they're empowered by God. The, the Holy Spirit is empowering those gifts, and those gifts have been given to expand the kingdom uh, of God. And so that's true of, of, of every believer in Jesus. 
Every believer in Jesus has a set of gifts and a corresponding calling to those gifts. And that helps you understand how you function in the church, how you function in the body uh, of Christ. You think of it maybe as uh, uh, like football tryouts, right? You, you show up at football tryouts, and let's say you're 300 pounds, and you can lift a car over your head, and the, the coaches look at you, and they say, you're an offensive lineman, okay? Or you can run really fast, and you can catch a ball, and they say, you're a, a wide receiver, right? Uh, or like choir tryouts, right? You go into choir tryouts, and you have a very low voice. And I go, you're a bass, right? Or, or you have a very high voice, right? That's my best soprano I can get, but... Uh, and they go, you're a soprano, right? And that soprano could not sing bass. I mean, as hard as they might try, they, they, they can't, they can't do it. And that bass could never sing a soprano, right? And that lineman could never run down the field and catch the ball. I mean, they, you have unique skills, unique abilities, and, and those fit with a particular calling within the local church. The way that it's different than choir or football uh, is that there, no one's cut and there's no bench warmers. There's no tryout to see, okay, do you, do you have the, what it takes to be a, a part of the church and, and to be uh, someone who's serving in the church? If, you, you know, if you're a believer in Christ, there's no, uh, you don't make the cut. Uh, there's no, uh, you, you're going to ride the bench for a few years until you've kind of, no, everyone has gifts. Everyone has a calling and uh, it's exciting for me to think about that, that, that all Christians that are part of, of our local church have gifts and calling. And the reason that God's given those gifts um, in, in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7, that very next verse from that scripture I just read, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Like these gifts have been given to us for others to serve others. That's just part of why in the earlier two verses in, in Romans 12, 1 and 2, what Tommy talked about last week, he talked about self-sacrifice. Uh, this is different than most gifts. Most gifts you get, and they're for you. That's, I mean, that, that, I like that. Right? I, li- I like gifts. They're for me. Right? I'll get a gift card, and I'll think, oh, how, how can I use this gift card over time where I will get the most out of it, and I will, I will get 16 coffee drinks out of this. And then I'll be with someone, and, and we're having coffee, and I go, ooh, i got to use my gift card. I should use my gift. It's mine, but I'm going to use it to bless this person, right? Well, these gifts are, are just to bless other people. They're not even 50-50, half for you, half for others. Sorry. They're, they're for other people. They're, they're, they're to be laid down. They're to be poured out for the building up of other people. And if those gifts in the church are functioning well, What's going to happen is, is that the church is going to be really good at both gathering and scattering. It's going, to, it's going to gather and it's going to scatter. It's going to gather as in it's going to be tight-knit. It's going to be a family. It's going to be a fellowship. But it's not just going to be that. It's also going to be on a mission. And it's going to be scattering out into the world. And it's going to be bringing the gospel out into the world. It's going to be making disciples of people out in the world and then gathering those back into the fellowship. It's going to be this, this beautiful balance of, of a tight-knit family that's on a mission and it's being scattered to make disciples of all nations. That's how we know 
if those gifts are functioning well. Um, I was thinking about an illustration of gifts coming together in our church. And one of the things that came to my mind was, the, was Meet Mercy House. It's a, a class that we do a couple times a semester, and it's for folks that are interested in baptism or becoming members of the church or they're just wanting to know more about what we believe. And I was thinking about all the gifts that go into just that uh, uh, Saturday class. And so, uh, you know, a, a, a lot of the people that are there uh, attending the class, they've had person-to-person conversations with folks in our church. They've talked to their small group leader. They've talked to their, uh, you know, to an elder. They've talked to a friend who's already a member of the church. They've been encouraged. And so, somehow through that conversation, they decided, hey, I, I want to be a part uh, of, of that uh, class. Uh, or they heard uh, some marketing that we did. So maybe someone up front was, was giving the announcement and they were persuading the, the folks that are in the congregation, hey, you, you, you really want to be a part of this class. You should come to this class. You should sign up for this class. Or they read it in print or, they, you know, they saw it uh, online. Uh, there's a lot of organization and communication that happens around that class. So, so, so there's, there's some uh, organizing of the presenters, of the, the people that are going to be there, the people that are going to show up at lunch and help listen to testimonies. There's communication with the folks that are coming and the attendees. There's folks that are asking questions that might attend and they want to know more about it. And so there's a lot of like administrative logistics uh, that go on to make that happen. There's also teaching content in uh, the, the class itself. So that teaching content has to be produced. There's presenters that participate uh, in, in the class, and so they have to be trained up, and they go through some dress rehearsals and some, some feedback and some, some uh, uh, opportunities to sharpen their skills as presenters. And then, then there's setup of the room, and then there's meal preparation. We always do a really nice meal, both a little breakfast and we do lunch, and so there's folks doing that, and then there's folks cleaning up, and there's folks breaking down the room and setting it up for the next day. Uh, there's audiovisual stuff that we do during that to, to help the communication be more effective. There's the actual teaching that the presenters do when they get up in front uh, and, the, and they teach about our beliefs and about the vision of the church. Uh, the, there are shepherding and evangelistic conversations that happen in, the, in between times, like during the breaks between teaching content, during lunch and during the, the breakfast. And so there's folks that are hearing content and then they're wanting to talk about it. And so there's conversations that are happening, happening there. Then there's follow-up with those that want to be baptized. So folks that are saying, yeah, I want to be baptized, and we're, we're, we're reaching out to them, meeting with them, helping them with testimonies, uh, getting them ready to be baptized, all those, all those things. And honestly, the, the way that all those people even got into the mix and even were there to consider coming to meet Mercy House is some friend that was in their class or at work or in their neighborhood was talking to them about Mercy House and invited them to church and they came to church and eventually they find themselves down in the downstairs cafe at a meet Mercy House class coming to know Jesus and saying, I want to be baptized. And that's just one class. A lot, a lot of gifts, a lot of things happening in order... Uh, to, to make that experience go. And God used it. I mean, those of you that were around for, uh, a couple weeks ago, you, you saw uh, 10 different people go under the water and, and be baptized. Uh, over 40 people that joined the church. And many of them really pressed in after that class. They, they signed up for ways to serve. They pressed in and they, some of them took over servant teams and, and, and they're on board uh, their, their sort of uh, ramp to get on board to that was this class. And it was something that was used uh, by God. And the way he did it was through the gifts of a lot of people that were involved. And that's just one little, one little slice. 
Um, and so when it's working well, it's a really beautiful thing. It's really powerful. And it's absolutely God's design for how the church is to work. Every believer, they're, they're using their gifts for His glory and for the blessing of other people. But just like everything else in the world, spiritual gifts can be marred by sin. They can be twisted into something that's not glorifying to God and is not a blessing to people. And so there's a couple of ways that that can, that, that can manifest, okay? So, so, so when they're not used appropriately. One is that they're just not used. They're not used at all. Um, uh, Romans 12, 6 the very first part of it says, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. It's a command. I mean, he's, he's saying use them. It must be he has to give a command because some people don't use them. Some people don't use them. They have gifts. If you're a follower of Jesus, got spirit living inside of you, you have spiritual gifts. And so a way to not give God glory through those gifts and be a blessing to other people is just not to use them. I think there's a lot of reasons why people don't use them. I think sometimes people just don't even know they have them. So for some of you in the room, you're like, spiritual gifts, what is that? Never heard of those before. And so hopefully we're remedying this one particular issue, <laughs> that you didn't know they existed. You didn't know you had them. You didn't know you were you know, supposed to be doing anything with them. Uh, and so, so that can be part of why people don't use them. Uh, for some people, they think, well, I, I, don't, I don't think I have any. You've heard teaching on it. Maybe you've read in the Bible. You've seen spiritual gifts. But you just think, I don't, I don't have, any, I don't have any, anything to offer. Well, obviously, that's believing a lie. That's not true. I mean, we just read the Scripture, right? We, he empowers them all in everyone. That seems to indicate that every believer in Jesus has gifts and a calling. And so some, sometimes people are like, I just don't have anything to offer. That, no, that's, that's, not, that's not true. That definitely God's Word is saying something completely different. It may be that you haven't been encouraged or trained in your gifts. That's possible too. Or you've just, you just never had the opportunity to really like step into those gifts and to be encouraged and, and trained. It may be that you don't like the gifts that you have. You have a sense of what your gifts are, but you're like, ooh, that would cause me to have to really put myself out there, and I don't want to do that. Or you're thinking of your gifts, and you're thinking, these are behind-the-scenes gifts, and I would like to get a little more publicity for my gifts. And so you don't, you don't want to do the behind-the-scenes. Right? That's a character issue. We'll talk about that later. Or you just don't want to do something that's hard or risky or time-consuming or messy. Because getting involved in the church more deeply is messy. It's fairly easy to come to a service and hear sermon and sing songs, shake hands, hi, chit-chat, leave, come back, do it all over the next week. But to press in, it gets, it gets messy. Um, but this is what God has ordained. This is what He's ordained. Is, is that every believer in the body of Christ is gifted and called. And if the vision of the church that God has in mind is going to be actually realized, then every believer in the church will be exercising their gifts. 
Again, listen, listen to 1 Corinthians 12, verse 18. But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as He chose. Think about that. The God of heaven, he, He's arranging every local church, every local church. And, and, and he, he's, he's bringing the, the, the set of believers that, that he sees has the right gifts to do the mission that he has for that church, and he brings them together. He ordains that. He, he designs that. And you're part of that. If you're a believer in Jesus and you're called to be a part of this church, then, then that's, that's you. you. It's been ordained that God uh, has, has brought you into this body. And again, as I said before, nobody... Nobody gets cut. Nobody, there's no bench warmers. There's no bench warmers. It's, it's often talked about how there's sort of this 80-20 rule in most churches where 20% of the people do all the work and give all the money. And 80% just are long for the ride. And that, that is typical in a lot of churches. I, 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 that's not necessarily typical of our, of our church, but, but, but it, we can have that tendency where there's a few people that really work hard and do a lot and give a lot of money and make it happen, and then a lot more others are along for the ride. That is not God's vision for the church. His vision is that everyone would be engaged in fulfilling their gifts and calling. Now, there's, there's another way that we can not bring glory to God and not be a blessing to others in, in regards to, to spiritual gifts, and that is using them in the wrong way or using them with wrong motives. Uh, this was something that was occurring in the church at Corinth. If you've ever studied spiritual gifts, you know that 1 Corinthians 12, 13, 14, there, that's one section where you can really dig into some principles about uh, spiritual gifts. And so this church at Corinth was having some real struggles with spiritual gifts. They were very impressed with certain spiritual gifts. So they were impressed with tongue speaking and with prophecy. And so those that had tongue speaking and prophecy, they really felt puffed up and prideful that they, were, they had these things. Uh, but then others uh, that they were looking down on because they didn't have those gifts and they, were, they weren't using those gifts. And, and so the Apostle Paul gives them some correction. And so this is one of the, the sections that he gives them correction. 1 Corinthians 13, he says, If I speak in tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have and if I deliver up my body to be burned but have not love, I gain nothing. He's letting them know, if, even if you, you have spiritual gifts and you're expressing spiritual gifts, but those spiritual gifts are self-focused, you're, you're more destructive than you are life-giving. And the, 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 the litmus test that he's given them is, are you loving? Are you loving? Are you using your spiritual gifts to love either your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ in the church or loving those out in the world that need the gospel? If you're using your gifts in that way, that's a good litmus test that says you're doing it in such a way that glorifies God and it builds up people. But if you're not doing it in a loving way, then you're self-focused. You are glory-absorbing instead of reflecting the glory of God. 
He uses the uh, illustration uh, of if you're doing this kind of expression of your spiritual gifts, you are one of these. Right? Isn't that awesome? Don't you love that? Let me do that again. Isn't that, isn't that awesome? <laughs> no, it's annoying. But it drew a lot of attention to itself. Wouldn't you agree? Right? Everyone's awake. I think everybody's focused. A few of you are zoning out there. But now... Your attention has been drawn to the clanging symbol. And he's, he's saying, this is what you're like when you're not expressing your gifts in a way that's glorifying to God and a benefit to people. You're, 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 you're expressing those gifts at some level, but, but they're just drawing attention to yourself. And, and this, is, this is destructive. This is dangerous. Uh, and it tears down the church. Some ways that you can know that you're doing this, and I know these ways because I've gone down these roads, definitely. Um, but here's some red flags that will let you know, okay, I'm, I'm not using my gifts in the way that are appropriate. So one is you're feeding off the attention that you get when you exercise your gifts. You're feeding off the attention. You're getting kind of a buzz. And so you, you know that when you, you get really, really high on the encouragement of people, right? Or you get really, really low if they don't say anything about what you're doing or they don't say anything good or they criticize you, you're just crushed, right? But if people are like, ah, oh, that was awesome, that's great, then, then you're like, woohoo, I'm on cloud nine. That, that's an indicator you're not doing gifts for the glory of God and for the benefit of others. Or if you're excited about exercising your gifts, but you're annoyed with people, right? It's like, I love ministry, it's just the people, <laughs> you know? That's a problem, okay? I think that's what he's getting at. You don't have love? You don't love people? You're saying you have ministry gifts, but you're not expressing them in a way that's loving to people? Something's wrong. Right? You're not using those gifts in, in an appropriate way. Uh, or you kind of have this martyr complex. Oh, poor me. I'm working so hard. No one else is working like me. Right? Or, or no one sees what I do, and, and I want recognition for that. All those kinds of things are things that we all wrestle with, okay? I'm, I, I'm not saying that those things are not a natural thing for those who have indwelling sin to, to experience, because obviously as we, as we serve in the church, those things are going to rear, the, rear their heads. But just to know that th those are red flags. Those, those are lights on the dashboard there that say, okay, I'm starting to move in to an expression of my gifts that uh, are, are not glorifying to God and they're not uh, beneficial to others. Another is just burnout. Burnout. If, if, we're, if we're burning out, we're, 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 we've shifted into exercising our gifts in our own strength and not unto God and as a, a benefit to others. And so it's, it's another red flag to say, okay, something's not right. Something's, uh, something needs to get changed here. And so uh, that's all introduction to the sermon. But um, what we want to look at as, as, we, as we think about inappropriate use of gifts is what is really at the root of that problem? Why is it that we go there where we don't use our gifts or we use them in a way that brings glory to us and does not benefit others? And then what is the cure to that? And I, I think this is, this is partly why Paul spends the time that he, that he does with uh, Romans, 1, uh, Romans 12, verses 1, 2, and 3. It's all set up to then begin to talk about the actual gifts. And so last week, 
Uh, you heard an excellent sermon from Tommy uh, that, that helps us understand some of this, and I think this gives another piece uh, to getting, getting us prepared to really uh, dive into the gifts. So, root problem and cure. So, root problem and cure. They're both in this verse 3 of Romans 12. I'll read it again. Uh, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Now, the root problem, we lack humility. We lack humility. Um, Humility, biblically speaking, is thinking of ourselves as we truly are are. Sometimes when we use the word humility, we think humiliation. Oh, I'm just a worm. Oh, I'm horrible. Uh, that's not biblical humility. Biblical humility uh, is neither, neither despairing of oneself nor is it being puffed up about oneself. It's thinking rightly about one's self. He, he uses the phrase uh, sober judgment, or you could also translate that sound mind. Is when we think someone has a sound mind, we think that they're not m- mentally unstable. That, that, well, that's what we're talking about, right? They're in touch with reality. I was having a conversation with a friend this last week, and I was stating something that I believe to be reality. And they said, that's not reality. That's not true. What you're believing to be true is not actually true. And I I needed that. That was was a moment of sobriety for me to go, oh, you're right. That's that's not reality. I, I need to be brought back to a place of thinking rightly about myself, about God, about other people. And so this is this is our uh problem. This is the root problem. Is when we're not using our gifts at all. We're, we're oftentimes thinking too lowly of ourselves, right? We say, I don't have anything to offer, right? Or when we're using our gifts in an inappropriate way, we're thinking too highly of ourselves. Both are thinking too much of ourselves. They're both sin. A lot of times they say, well, I have low self-esteem. That's sin. I'm sorry. I know that sounds harsh. And in our culture, it's like, oh, low self-esteem, let's puff you up, let's pump you up. Let's pump. That, that's not biblical. You're not thinking rightly of yourself. You, you're created by God. If, if you're thinking lowly of yourself, you're thinking lowly of a creation of God. That's, that's sinning against your creator. Just as thinking too highly of yourself. Right? That, that is, that's pride. That's against God. And so thinking rightly about yourselves, being humble, that, that's, that's what sets us up for the appropriate use of our spiritual gifts in the church. It, it allows us to step aside when we need to and allow others to speak or uh, to serve or to encourage or do whatever it is that their gifts uh, empower them to do. It, it allows us to step up when we need to. And say something or initiate or use our gifts in a way that's going to be glorifying to God and a blessing to others. But to be able to step aside or step up uh, requires humility, sort of a, a comfortability in our own skin to know when to step up and when to step aside. This was the state in which our parents, Adam and Eve, found themselves in the created order. They were humble. 
We, we read in Genesis 1 uh, that God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. He created them, and God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. This is the created order. They are created. They are called by God. They are living under his blessing. Right? He says he blessed them. And they're, they're receiving that blessing. And then they're bearing his image back to him. They're reflecting his glory back uh, to him. And they're living out this faithful stewardship of the earth that they've been given. They have a, that, that calling to care for the earth, to, to have a, a dominion over the earth. And this is what we're built for. This is what we're created to be. And so uh, we, we know that that did not last, uh, but that Adam and Eve rebelled against God. And because of that, then we see things like this in Genesis 3. Verse 7 says, Then the eyes of both were open. They knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together, and they made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and the wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, and he said, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. They're literally no longer comfortable in their own skin. They're, they're hiding. They're, they're hiding from God, and this has happened on the heels of trying to be like God and take glory and absorb it that wasn't theirs to absorb. And they're fretting about what others think, even though there's only two humans on the planet, and they're married. I, this, this boggles my mind. And, and they're, they're feeling shame, and they're They're worried. They're not able to think rightly about themselves, about each other, about God. And so we come by this naturally. We, sons of Adam, daughters of Eve, this, this, is, this is our MO, right? As, as sinners in a sinful world, this is, this is our default. This is what seems natural to us. We're either thinking too lowly of ourselves or too highly of ourselves. We're thinking way too much of ourselves. And this... Again, this is at the root of our problems, really all of our problems. But since we're talking about spiritual gifts, the root of our problems with spiritual gifts, where we're not expressing them at all or expressing them in a way uh, that is improper. And so what is the cure? You might say, well, you just need to get humility, right? Just make a, a goal. This summer, I'm going to become humble. Okay, well, that's the end of the sermon. Have a great week. Thanks for being... No, that does not work. <laughs> that does not work. So, so what, what can you do? Well, again, in Romans 12, verse 3, Paul gives us an indicator of how he expresses his gifts with humility. He says the very front of, the, of that verse, verse 3, for by the grace given to me. Did you catch that? For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone, and then he gives them this exhortation. Uh, he lets them know that his foundation for exercising his gifts is grace. That these things are given to him by God. The, the, the Greek word being translated there is charismata. It literally means marks of grace. 
It's all grace. Now, usually when we talk about grace, we're, we're thinking about the saving grace, and that's appropriate. And Paul definitely talks about that in Romans a lot. Uh, here's one example. Uh, Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. He's letting us know that the, the way we're saved is not something we do, but it's something that God gives us. It's a gift. It's grace. It's undeserved favor. But that grace doesn't stop there. Right? It, 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 it be, continues to be poured out in the life of the Christian. And one of the ways that it's poured out in the life of the Christian is in the giving and the empowering of spiritual gifts. Listen to how Paul talks about his own gifts and calling in Romans 1 verse 5. He says, "...through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of His name among all the nations." Paul is an apostle, and he's that in a unique way, but he also has a gifting that he's been given by God that is an apostle's gifting, and that is to take the gospel to places where it's never been preached. And he sees that as a grace. Those gifts that he's been given, that calling that corresponds with those gifts, that is a grace. And that's not just for super-Christians like Paul. Again, Romans 12 6 uh, says this, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. He's using the same language that he used about his own gifting to talk about the church at Rome. And he says, these, these gifts that you have, this is, this is a grace. This is a grace that you've been given. When I was younger, like five years old, um, my parents would take me to Sunday school, and uh, there was always a little offering that was given at, in the Sunday school class. And there was like a little piggy bank kind of thing, but it was the shape of a church building, and it was standing there on the teacher's desk there, and my, my mom and dad would give me a quarter, one quarter, quite an offering, but it felt like a lot of money as a five-year-old in the 1970s. And so here I go into the... Into the uh, the classroom, and I, I, I don't know, it was exciting to me to be able to take that quarter in there and to offer it into that offering, right? And I had really done nothing to earn that quarter. It wasn't like they said, okay, Robert, we want you to sweep up in the kitchen, and I'm going to give you the quarter, and then you can go give that quarter, you know, to, to Jesus when you get to... No, they just gave me the quarter. And then I went in, and I gave it. And there was a, a great amount of joy just being able to just give, give this quarter that had been given to me to give. Well, spiritual gifts are a lot like that. You've, you've been given these gifts. And, and these gifts are something that you can now give as an offering to God. Never did I go in and try to make change with the teacher. I never went in. I said, could you give me a dime, and I'm going to get put 15 cents in the offering? No, I, the whole thing. I knew what it was for. Right? I knew it was to give. I knew there wasn't anything else that I was supposed to do with it. Again, spiritual gifts are like that. They're not to be put on a shelf. They're not to be uh, hoarded. They, they really don't really benefit us personally all that much. I mean, they, they, they really start bringing life to us and, and being a, a source of intimacy with Christ is when we start to use them. And those of you that are using yours, you know exactly what I'm talking about. To offer up 
that quarter, so to speak, to Jesus. So some questions to think about. What have you been given? What's your quarter that God has given you? And you may think that's all you get. I only have a quarter. I don't have much. That's not the point. If you think you have a lot or you have a little, it's been given to you to offer up to God in worship. And so asking yourself this summer, especially as we go through these gifts and we talk about these gifts, what has God, what has He given you? If you don't know, then spend some time in prayer as, as we take communion here and respond to this sermon in a few moments. Uh, take some time to pray. God, re- reveal to me, what, what are my gifts? What is my calling? And then ask some people that you know, that know you well. What do you think? What, what are my strengths? What, what are things that God has, has wired me to do? And then just do something. Serve if you're not already. Get involved doing some things and, and, and serving. And uh, as you do that, you get a sense of what you enjoy, what you're good at, what other people are going to say. Yeah, thanks for doing that. that you really did that well. That, it, it helps you understand and confirm what your spiritual uh, gifts are. Um, there's a group on Wednesday. Austin and Isabel Kopak will be leading one of the small groups, and it's called Gifted, and they're going to be studying the spiritual gifts. And so if you want to dive deeper into that topic, that's an opportunity for you uh, to learn more about the spiritual gifts and to find out what yours uh, are. Another question is, uh, are you using the gifts that you know that you already have? And if you're not, why not? Why not? What, what's keeping you back? And again, prayerfully considering that. Why am I on the bench? Why am I not exercising my gifts? And when I say that, I don't mean, why do you not have an organizational slot in the church ministry? Okay? I, I don't think every gift has an organizational slot. All right? Some do. Right? And, and, it, and it's going to make a lot of sense in kind of the, the, the structure of the church. And you go, wow, my gifts are this, and they're going to fit in this kind of a ministry. Uh, but that's not always the case. And honestly, we don't want to have a, 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 you know, a 10,000 different ministries and try to pigeonhole everyone into some kind of organizational structure. It just becomes overwhelming and too complex and not very fruitful. So when I say, when you're asking, what, 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 how can I use these gifts? You're thinking both organizationally in the church, in the ministry of the church, but also just organically. What gifts do I have and how can I employ them in the relationships that I have with my fellow believers in Christ and people out in the world that I know? For instance, let's say you have a gift of mercy, Right? You have the gift to really empathize with other people, to feel what they're feeling, to, to comfort them in their pain and their sorrow. Right? Pretty awesome gift. A lot of people are hurting, like all of us, and we all need people of mercy to come alongside of us and to comfort us. And so let's say you have, you have that gift. Well, then you're being prayerful about the people that are around you. And you're thinking, okay, Lord, the people in my small group, the people I'm bumping into on Sunday morning, the people who are my friends, the people that are my colleagues at work. Like, like, where are there some places where I can employ this gift for your glory and for the blessing of others? And I'm telling you, he, he's going to open that up. He's going to reveal that. So it, it may be organizational, maybe organic, probably going to be a little bit of both. Probably a little bit of both. Uh, there's going to be some opportunities in the church to serve. And there's going to be some opportunities um, to, to do that in your day-to-day life. And then the third, third, third question uh, is, are you using them 
but perhaps using them in a way that's, that's unhealthy. And I mentioned those little red flags and the way you can remember this is, am I bitter or am I burned out or am I getting too much of a buzz from my gifts? Okay, am I bitter? Am I burned out? Or am I like flying high when I'm getting a lot of pats on the back and then crashing and landing whenever uh, I don't get enough recognition, right? So, so allowing God to just work on our characters in those regards. And again, that's stuff that, that we're, we're always dealing with as we're expressing our gifts. That's just sin, just uh, rearing its head and us having to confess it and ask the Lord for grace to express those gifts in a way that's going to bring glory to Him and be a blessing to others. And then finally, the fourth question is, have you received the ultimate gift, which is salvation in Christ? You really can't have a conversation about your spiritual gifts until you actually know God through Christ. Because this is the greatest gift that he's ever given, is his gift of forgiveness and salvation through his death on the cross. And talk about an expensive gift. This is a gift of infinite cost that he's bought and paid for with his own life so that he could offer that freely to you this morning. So if you come here and you're not a Christian, I want you to, to hear that, uh, the invitation to receive that gift and to be forgiven and to be brought into relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ. We are reminded of that every time we come to this table. Think about this. Jesus taking bread, breaking it. What does he do? He blesses it. He gives it to his disciples, right? God is a giver. He's a giver, like from, from day one, right? It's saying he's, he's blessing Adam and Eve. And they're receiving that blessing. They're receiving that gift, and they're stewarding it. God hasn't changed, not, from, not ever, nor will he ever. And so here, the, the God who is generous, who's gracious. He, he takes that bread, breaks it, gives it to his disciples saying, take, eat. This is my body given for you. And in the same way, he takes the cup and after he blessed the cup, he gave it to them saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. As often as you drink this, do this in remembrance of me, this, this new covenant kind of a community. This is part of what we're describing here as we talk about spiritual gifts, that, that, this is, that, that there's not like these two tiers of people where you have the, the priest in one tier and you have everybody else in the other tier like it was in, in the Old Testament. No, everyone is a priest in the new covenant. Everyone has gifts. Everyone has calling. And they function inside the body of Christ through those gifts and calling. And as it works together well, it is glorifying to God and it is a blessing to others. The church gathers well. The church scatters well. And so this is our hope. This is our prayer that this would happen even more at Mercy House. I think it indeed does happen. I I think God is working in our church and through our church. There's no doubt that that God is at work in some significant ways. And we've seen a tight-knit community that's been happening. We've seen folks going out and uh, bringing their friends to Christ and and making disciples, some of them around the nations right now that are are making disciples and investing in people uh, all over the world. Uh, But we're a work in progress. We're a work in progress. And so as we embrace these gifts for God's glory and the blessing of, of others, built on the foundation of the grace of the gospel, 
the potential of what God can do uh, is mind-blowing. So let's take the bread, let's take the cup, knowing that this is the greatest gift that we've ever received. And based on that, let that fuel us as we express our gifts in a local church. Let's pray. Lord, you are a good God. You are one who gives generously, and you've given generously to, to each in the room. There are no, uh, no one's a bench warmer, no one's cut from the team, but God, you've bestowed these gifts to all of us. And so we're grateful for that, God, and we're, we know that it only is possible because of the greatest gift that you've given us, and that's your death on the cross. And so we remember that gift as we take the bread and take the cup. And uh, Lord, we, we are grateful for your mercy, your forgiveness through the cross and the indwelling spirit that has come as a result of that salvation and how your Holy Spirit is working in us and through us uh, in powerful ways in the church and out in the world as we go out on mission uh, for you. And so Lord, would you bless this time uh, of, of just being... Uh, in community with you, but also in communion with one another. And we pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen.